Uh, before we also get into the sermon, I, I guess I want to just kind of brag a little bit, if you could go to the next few slides. We had Michaela's mom and dad over. Uh, it was very good. They're, they're very, man, I, I can't describe them well enough. Uh, her mom is amazing. She is so loving, uh, very sacrificial. And so this past week, we made what are called bizcochitos, which is a a cookie that is, it's a New Mexican traditional cookie, uh, and we made biscuitos, a lot of them, over 400 uh, for the soup kitchen, and that was, that was fun. It was fun, and I am, man, sometimes it makes me want to cry a little bit, but I'm going to try not to cry. Uh, <laughs> I can't express how thankful I am for them. They are great in-laws, and I would not have it any other way, so... I'm thankful for Michaela's family. That being said, I, I do want to, uh, I don't know what y'all did for Thanksgiving. I'm sure y'all had family over. Uh, but I also want to be mindful for the, the people who it might be a tough time, right? Um, lost loved ones. And most recently, obviously, the shootings, people lost loved ones, loved ones they weren't going to see on this Thanksgiving, right? And, and so I am mindful of people, times like this, it is painful. And so before we get into the sermon, I do want to pray for, uh, one, that, for blessings, the people who did enjoy family time, but also for the people who have lost loved ones. So let's go in prayer. God, you are so good. Lord, we're thankful for family, our moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas. Lord, you, you bless us so much. But we're also mindful of people who were not able to spend Thanksgiving with family members they've lost for wh- whatever reason, Lord. Uh, you, you know there's so much suffering on earth. There, there are a lot of people in pain. And God, if there, are anybody, if there are anybody here who is in pain, I ask that you'd give them comfort, healing, as only you can. Let us not lean on our own ideas of how we can remedy our pain, but Lord, let's lean on you who can comfort us. So it's in this time that we we give you thanks for the ways we can spend time with family, and we also pray for those who are suffering. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so one interesting thing I, I, I know we've all noticed is about how kids pray, right? Uh, when, when a child prays, they don't have an issue with saying thanks, do they? Right? They, they literally say thanks for everything. You know, thank you for this, I don't know, t-shirt I got on. Thank you for this rock I found, Lord. I, I found it as I was walking outside today. Thank you for this rock. And so you get my point. The kids, they don't have an issue with saying thanks, and they say thanks for literally everything. And I think that's, in a way, a good thing. Now, as I grew up, I noticed a shift When I was younger, I would just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But as I got older, it shifted and I started asking for help a lot more. Now, that could be for a number of reasons, but I think that's probably because, man, when you get older, you look at all, you kind of get jaded a little bit, don't you? Man, God, I have so much I need. I'm struggling, God, I need so much. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for help. But I think sometimes as we get older, we lose sight of thanking God for all the blessings. Just as a child, literally thankful for everything they see and touch and have. And so I think sometimes we need to be like a a child, realizing that we should be thankful for everything that God 
has given us. Now, obviously, I say this at a time where I know there are people suffering, and so sometimes it might be hard. It might be hard to look around us and be thankful for the things God has given us. But regardless of who we are in our situation, I really do think we can be thankful for something. Now, the word for thanks, or thanksgiving, thankful in its forms in Scripture, it's actually a really interesting one, if you could go on to the next slide. It's a really interesting one. Now, it might not be interesting to you, but it's interesting to me. As I was studying this word in all its forms, there are two words in Scripture that we have that are translated as thanks or thanksgiving, with one exception. But if you look through, these are the two words that you're going to see. Eucharistia and charis. Now, those might sound familiar, right? Eucharistia, that's where we get our word Eucharist from. What we call communion, a time to reflect on what Christ has done. A time to be thankful for what Christ has done. And so that word is usually translated as thanksgiving, eucharistia. And then, of course, the word charis. This word, interesting enough, is translated as thank or thanks. What else do you notice about those words? I've talked about charis recently. This word Paul uses in every single one of his intros in his letters. Grace and peace to you. Charis kai reine. Charis. And so interestingly enough, the, the word used for grace is also used for saying thanks. And then what do you notice about eucharistia? What's at its root? Charis. Grace. And so this was just mind-blowing to me. It was a jaw-dropper for me. Maybe you don't really care, but this was kind of a Bible nerd thing. But at the root of saying thanks and thanksgiving in Scripture is literally grace. You can't say thanks without saying grace. And so you want to know what every single person should be thankful for? Grace. You can't say thanks without saying grace. See, God's grace is the only reason we have anything to be thankful for. It's by God's grace we enter the world. It's by God's grace we live in the world, and I certainly hope it's something you leave the world with. Now you may be thinking, well, isn't everybody under the grace of God, Aaron? Yes, everybody is under the grace of God. God shows his grace to all. However, the grace extended through Christ through his life, death, and resurrection, well, not everybody accepts that grace, now do they? There are people who reject that grace. So yes, God shows his grace to all, but not everybody accepts the grace that is shown in Christ. So I hope that you leave this world with that grace. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 1. You might think this is a weird passage to look at, uh, for this theme here, but th there's a point. So Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. We're going to walk through the text. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 23. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to... Hang on a second. Is something need to be adjusted here? <laughs> I don't want to start blaring the speakers. Okay. There we go. Maybe that's better. So, 
Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, the context, Paul, he is preaching the gospel, he's proclaiming the gospel, he's proclaiming salvation offered to all. That's the context. But, continue on, you see not everybody accepts that. Verse 17. For in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, righteous shall live by Faith, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men, unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So yes, it's true that there's good news, there's the gospel, there is salvation offered, but there are people who suppress the truth. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. The things of God are plain to them. See, this of sorts, in this passage, Paul, he's sort of presenting an argument for God from the beginning of creation, people knew there was a God. It's a little interesting. This might not be interesting to you, but uh, historians have done a study on what was like the original form of religious belief. And all things point to, point to monotheism. Monotheism, which then people led to create, and polytheism. But... Historically, there's an original monotheism, people believing in one God, one creator. And so Paul, I think he's right on. They know from the beginning of the foundation of the world and creation, people know there is a God. His, his eternal attributes are plain to them, perceived in creation. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They did not give thanks. That's Eucharistia. Eucharist. They did not give thanks to God. At that core of that word is grace. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, even in the midst of his attributes displayed in creation, people suppress the truth. And not only that, they suppress, they deny the grace of God. They're not willing to give thanks to God, which is, in a way, to say to acknowledge the grace of God. Because again, at that core of that word, thanks is grace. God shows his grace to all, but not everybody accepts that grace, they don't honor him. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In spite of the grace of God, the glory of God, we exchange it for a cheap replica. Something physical, something perishable, something that doesn't last. The grace of God certainly lasts. You see, each breath we take, 
as you sit here, each breath you take is because of the grace of God. So you don't know when you're going to leave this earth. All right? You don't. Truly, you don't. You might think you do. You might think, oh, my health is good. I got another uh, 10 years. I got another 70 years. My health is good. You don't know when you're going to leave the earth. I've heard several stories about ministers, really crazy and a little bit inspiring. Ministers who so passionately would proclaim the word of God, would preach some, for some odd reason, while they were preaching, drop dead. Healthy, but just drop dead in the middle of their preaching. Man, what a way to go in my mind, to be honest. Like, if I'm going to go, preaching is the way to go, right? But you get my point. It's easy to think we can feel comfortable and know and think, we, well, we got, we got time on earth. But we don't. Instead, we've got to be thankful for each breath we take. Right? Because as you take each breath and as you use each breath, maybe even to say thanks to God, you can't even do that without the grace of God. You literally can't do that. As I said, because when you say thanks, you are really saying Grace. Other than being thankful for the life God has given us, we have much more to be thankful for. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Now the context is Paul, he's talking about the resurrection of the dead and how we are promised a resurrection like Christ was raised. And so it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, when Paul uses the word mystery, I, I don't want anybody to be confused here. Paul is not saying he has all the answers. Like, he's not saying, here's a mystery, now I'm going to show you the mystery. Paul's saying, like, here's what we're promised, but I, I still don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I think we have this misconception that Paul knows everything. Paul does not know everything, and Paul is willing to admit that. So when he talks about a mystery, he's saying, man, this is what we're promised, but even then, I don't know exactly what this entails. So continue on in verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now, just a side note here. When he talks about the perishable putting on the imperishable, I don't think he's claiming to know exactly how this is going to look. As you know, there are a lot of people who have tried to predict this is exactly how it's going to look. But man, yeah, the, the perishable will put on the perishable and the mortal will put on immortality. But even then, we're not going to know it until it happens, right? So somehow that's going to work out. But regardless, there's going to be victory. And verse 56 says this, The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law Verse 57, but thanks. Guess what word that is? Caris. Thanks. Grace. 
but thanks or grace be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Man, sometimes when I read Scripture, uh, it amazes me. I, uh, this is something that I did not notice until recently. I took, took a look in the text and was like, wow, that's, that's the word for grace. But thanks, but charis be to God. See, at the center of Thanksgiving, what makes being thankful even possible is the grace of God. I don't think it's a mistake that the word used for thanksgiving and thanks at its core is grace. That is not a mistake. Anything you think of, your relationship with your parents, your, your spouses, your, your children, the clothes you have, the food you have, the, the shelter you have, anything that you think is worth giving thanks for is only possible because the grace of God made it possible. You literally cannot say thanks without saying grace. And one amazing thing we receive that we can give thanks for by the grace of God is the resurrection. A victory over death. A victory over death that we could not achieve on our own, but a victory over death that only was achieved through Christ. And if only achieved through Christ, then we can only receive that through Christ. I don't know if you struggle with being thankful. I'm sure there's a lot of you in here as I perceive that you don't have trouble with this. You can easily identify the many ways God has blessed you, whether it be household food, clothing, whatever it is. I can tell a lot of you understand how thankful you should be. But to close and to really emphasize at the center of every single thing is grace. So thanks be to God or caris be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, have you joined the winning team? Have you acknowledged the grace of God or are you suppressing the truth? Do you want a temporary thing in this life that's not going to last or do you want something that is everlasting that Christ offers you? If so, you can come as we stand and sing.